Welcome to season three of Gals on Topic, your favorite book club, and then some. I'm Sadie. I'm Izzy. And today, to kick off season three, we will be covering Fourth Wing by Rebecca Yaros, chapters one through three. I'm so excited. I can't believe it. What a change of pace. We're branching out. We're experiencing new things. I'm especially excited because this is, we've had those one-off books that have been new for me, but I had read Akatar and Akamath already, and this is like a fully a new book and world that I'm diving into, and I'm loving it already. I know. It really is enticing me just from like the hype on social media, but also I read the first chapter and I'm like, this is my kind of book. It's been hyped up so much on social media and people are saying that, I mean, the first thing I heard about it that really drew me in was Holly. Yeah. Who will be coming on. She says the best book she ever read. She said it was better than Akatar and she loved Akatar. That's crazy. Crazy. Um, I really like it. I really like it. I assume it has some steam. I've heard it has smut. It has, you know, I don't like the word smut, um, but steam. (laughs) Does smut stand for, is it an acronym or is it a word? I don't know. Like sexy, magical. (laughs) (laughs) Let me me give that a quick Google. Um, But as you can probably tell, we're structuring this season a little bit differently Obviously, in season one and season two, I had read the books already and Sadie was reacting. For this, for Fourth Wing, we're both reading it for the first time. Yeah, that wasn't the original plan. I was going to read ahead, but, you know, life is is crazy. But you didn't have to admit to that, Sadie, because we talked ourselves into how this makes more sense. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I'll just, just ignore I said that. It was, it, I think, it, I actually do think it's better because... Um, like I said, for Akatar and for Akamath, that whole like transition into book two where everything really changes is such a big point of the series. And so I feel like it was good that I had read it so I could ask you very pointed questions that would like give the listeners something interesting to be like, oh, what does she think of Resand right away? Or like, yeah, what does she think of this about Tamlin? Which um, let me remind you, loved him right away. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> um, but for Fourth Wing, only one book is out. So even if you read this book, like you wouldn't have all of the knowledge yet you know yeah so it honestly makes more sense for us to read it for the first time together and react to it together and I'm so excited because while I hope you all enjoyed my reactions to Akatar and Akamath I don't know if you guys listened to the bonus episodes but Izzy's reaction to terms and conditions was so (laughs) fucking hilarious and I just like can't wait to get more of that energy um hopefully in a more positive positive way (laughs) but I just I loved it I I learned I can be very critical (laughs) (laughs) no you're hilarious but I think this I think I will be loving this book already yeah I'm very intrigued yeah totally same Um, but we are still mixing it up a little bit in that I'm going to be doing the more in-depth notes of recapping the plot. Um, so hopefully you guys get used to the sound of my voice instead of Izzy's (laughs) soothing one. Um, but also we, to kick off season three, 
We are together recording live. Recording live from from Chicago. Chicago. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. I just stormed in on that. But um, yeah, so we're up here for our good friend Saren's birthday weekend. Um, You guys know Saren. She was a guest on season two. And yeah, I came up a little early so that we could record the uh, season premiere. Yes, it's so good to be back recording in person. Sadie and I are snuggled up in my bed, comfy, cozy, (laughs) ready to dive into a whole new season. Also, we haven't seen each other in probably the longest that we've never not seen each other. Yeah. So feels good. It feels good to be back. We also need to catch up. Tell me about your trip. My vacay. Your vacay. I just got back from vacation literally Monday morning and Wednesday night drove drove up here. Um, Your second home though. So it is. It is. I'm home wherever I'm with you. (laughs) So true. (laughs) Um, So I actually went down to the Florida Keys last week with my boyfriend and a couple of his high school friends and their uh, significant others. And honestly, it was the best time we I mean, everyone is just so chill. They've really welcomed me into the group. Um, the weather was amazing. We had an Airbnb like right on the water and they are all big fishermen cause they're like born and raised in Florida. Um, so they have fishing boats that just like docked right up outside the house so we could just jump in every day, oh, went on the boat every day. I learned how to lobster, which have I told you how to do it? No, it's crazy. And I can't believe I did it. So I didn't realize this, but you really have to go to like the middle of the ocean um we're in the gulf so it was isn't not it's not that deep um we it would range from like eight to 15 feet deep and um you basically get in the water in the middle of the ocean and you snorkel on the surface and look for like uh reefs or not reefs but like coral or holes or uh, ledges and stuff where like something could hide underneath and then you look for their antennas sticking out and then if you see one you hold your breath and dive (gasps) down with a net and a tickle stick and you poke the lobster with a tickle stick and when it darts out you scoop it up with your net and then it's like panicking, so then you have to like grab it with your hand in the net and oh swim back to the my top. God, what if it pinches you? They don't have claws. Oh. Yeah, I guess it's like this type of lobster. They're spiky, so you have a glove. And I honestly was just like riding in the boat drinking the whole time, like I didn't or snorkeling. I didn't do a ton of diving, but like it was so cool. We had fresh lobster for dinner like every night. Wait, did you catch some though? I did catch one. Oh my god, Sadie. Guys, I was like, who am I? Who are you? <laughs> it was so cool. And okay, so every spot only had like max three lobsters. So there was a bunch of us. Everyone's diving in. John's like in his element, like loving life. And, uh, and I was just kind of on the boat cheering them on, or I'd swim around and like watch them and just snorkel. Um, but then, so then at, you know, halfway through the day, I'm like, okay, I'm over snorkeling. Like I'm just gonna get drunk on the boat. And so I'm drinking, I'm probably like four white claws deep and they pop up from the water and they're like, there's like 30 lobsters down here. And so I'm like, okay, there's 30, like I can get one. 
So I jumped in and I, John pointed one out to me and I was drunk. So I forgot my gloves and I literally just like raw dogged the, <laughs> the lobster, just grabbed it with my bare hands. Oh, you did not. I did. Did it hurt? A little. You drunkenly fun. caught a lobster. <laughs> oh my God. It was amazing. That is it so, was so crazy. cool. And like, I'm definitely like more, you know, girly and like just. I'm not born and raised down there. Like I don't fish. Like I don't do any of that. And look so at I you feel living like, off the land. I know. Everyone was so excited for me. Like uh, everyone, I just loved that. Like everyone was like so hyped for me. And like, like they could, did not believe I, like could not believe I, I was actually catching a lobster. Like one of them, he was also diving down at the same time. And he like looked over and saw someone getting one. And he was like, and then I realized it was Sadie. And I was like, hell Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny that you caught a lobster with your bare hand four white claws deep. <laughs> Ain't no laws in a drinking claws. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that is so funny. Oh my God. Yeah. I'm not surprised though. You know, you're an adventurous girl. I don't get the credit I deserve. I am. Yeah. Here's the credit I'm you go deserve. I'm going with the flow. I'll you're, do anything yeah, you once. Are. You know? Um, but my only, my other big highlight like there was so many hilarious moments like we were just like belly laughs nonstop. it was great um and fresh lobster every night like we literally would catch lobster and eat it that night it was crazy um and uh but my other highlight was the last day so like the way the keys are if you go basically if you would go right from our house you were in the gulf and if you go left you're in the atlantic and we went over to the atlantic on the last day um and drove over to like a reef and snorkeled and it was like I know you've experienced this in Hawaii and stuff like it was like snorkeling in an aquarium it was crazy beautiful like nothing I've ever experienced it's like Bahamas water like super clear and um yeah I like saw a huge sea turtle it was amazing it was that was so cool yeah see a manatee Okay, I actually have to show you a picture because two giant manatees swam up to our dock and we and I I guess they told us like start spraying a hose of like cold fresh water and they like poked their head out and were like opening their mouth drinking it. You will love the pictures. Oh my god, I can't wait to see. Yeah, you'll love it. It was so fun. It was a great trip. Oh my god. Oh my god, that sounds amazing. I love manatees and I'm so jealous. You basically got to like feed them. (laughs) I know. It was so cool. Also, just a little football talk for a sec. I'm sorry. But another highlight of the trip, which I can't even believe I care about this. But okay, so John graduated from Florida State. And so he's and when he was there, they won the national championship. Like he never saw them lose when he went there um, a home game. And uh, so they are doing really well this year and might go to the national championship. So we bought these things like RSVPs, which are basically options to buy um, national championship tickets if they go to the national championship. And we have this whole strategy to basically we bought four. We're going to try to sell two of them once the market opens mm-hmm. and like cover the cost of all of them. Um so that even if they don't go, we didn't lose any money. <laughs> and we were like freaking out because while we were there, they were playing Clemson, which is probably like one of the biggest games on their schedule. Yeah. And um, 
And so like we were literally watching the game on the drive down to the keys and it was really close, but they ended up winning. And it was like the biggest relief because now I feel like it's just a win. Like I yeah. it was just like that was just like amazing way to kick off the week. And then all the wildlife and ocean feels. It was just it was great. It was jam packed with wildlife. Our it, favorite thing. It was Marine life. <laughs> <laughs> when we just like rebrand this podcast to like <laughs> marine biology ocean pod i don't know <laughs> a real left turn <laughs> well yeah. i'm so glad you had a nice vacay you're all tan i do feel like i'm a little tan hopefully somewhat rested for our big weekend ahead yeah <laughs> slightly um no it's gonna be good what have you been up to um what have I been up to um I was traveling for work for a week and then I was in Tampa oh yeah for a work trip and then I submitted my MBA applications so that was a big weight off my shoulders for round one then I went to the Notre Dame versus Ohio State game which we shall not talk about because it uh was gut-wrenching um <laughs> but i'm going back to another notre dame game for more hurt and pain uh next weekend which game is it notre dame usc been okay. like my entire my whole friend group like my extended friend group picks one game each, each season to like reunite at oh. and that's the game so we have like big airbnb all the girls all the guys big tailgate so it'll be fun regardless i have tickets to this game i didn't have tickets to the ohio state game i just watched at a bar um so it will be really fun. But um, our <laughs> in good news, our quarterback, so hot. <laughs> so hot this year. Everyone on TikTok is talking about him. He looks like the lead of a Hallmark movie. Wait, Wait let me show you, you show me a TikTok. Thing? He's like not even real. Like I have a crush on him. I think Connor has a crush on him. I think everyone has a crush on him. He's so insanely attractive. So oh, at least wait. if we're not as good as I thought we'd be, at least we have the hottest team right now. <laughs> <laughs> this is him just on ESPN. Cassian? <laughs> he looks like a like a Disney prince. I know. <laughs> <laughs> what? So that gives me joy. He has even so much hair. <laughs> even if we didn't have a tough loss. He has so much hair. He's like a mountain man meets Disney prince meets yeah. like Christmas tree farm owner. Oh, <laughs> yes, Christmas tree farm owner. Totally. Yeah. I see that. Yeah. <laughs> if you get it you get it yeah um wow wow yeah Yeah, he is he's wonderful looking um no they i mean notre dame is still they're still ranked yeah well we're we're doing fine it's just like he's really good we only have him for one year um so like having a tough loss was hard because i actually think he has a lot of potential and we as a team have a lot of potential in the first for the first time in a few years so that loss that loss was tough but um at least he's pretty to look at yeah no that's good (laughs) should we get into it let's get into it oh my god i'm so nervous will you actually hand me your book before oh yeah but okay let's get into it fourth wing by rebecca yaros i'm gonna go ahead and apologize for all of the words i brutally pronounce um she we thought that uh we thought that uh Sarah J. Mass was creative with the uh, names of things. Rebecca has her beat for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but here we go. Okay. 
So the book starts on what is called Conscription Day, which appears to be a day where you could possibly die, um, at least for our narrator, our POV of um, Violet. So really quickly, can I also just say that I think before each chapter, she has these little like quotes or like little blurbs yeah like the first one says a dragon without its writer is a tragedy a writer without their dragon is dead um which when you actually before i even opened the book i read the teaser and i was like dragons and i was like the teaser for these books always sound so dumb yeah before you get into it you can't hate on dragons when we write about fairies i know but like before you get into it it just it just does sound you're like okay i know i'll like this but when you read it you're like kind of chuckling yeah but i like these little blurbs that she has above the chapters these little quotes above each one because it kind of sets the tone of like being kind of intense you're like oh okay yes i agree and i can read those before each chapter if we want because I think that they're like quotes from books that uh, Violet has read in her training to be a scribe. Oh, um, so like that's from the um, the writer's codex. So like that's yep. the rule, like the rule book, I believe. Yep, because she she says this at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, you're right, and I I just thought that was a cool touch because it makes you immediately. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a nice little like, like a little catchphrase, like foreshadowing yeah. what the chapter is going to be without giving yeah. anything away. Yeah. Okay, so um, our narrator, we she hasn't actually said her name yet, but our narrator's walking up many flights of stairs to General Soren Gale. Do you think it's Soren Gale? Mm-hmm. Soren Gale's office and is exhausted. Um, a signal that she's out of shape and is in quotes so fucked. um there apparently there are thousands of 20 year olds waiting outside the gates to enter their chosen quadrant so here's where we learn there's four quadrants obviously quad they're healers scribes infantry or riders and what this appears to be is that when you reach a certain age you have to enter a quadrant and that kind of dictates your role in society yes so i wrote at this point I don't really know what conscription day is yet, but it's reminding me of Divergent. Yes. Yes. Like very Very much so. Very similar. Very similar. Um, Where you kind of choose which like quadrant you're in and then that really dictates like the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. Um, And basically if you choose a different quadrant, it can be like going against your family and so the families have a lot of say. Yeah. Um, it's exactly like that. And that also led me to write down that the Divergent movies were the biggest flop of all time after the first one. The first movie was the best movie of all time. And then afterwards, they were just terrible. That is so just true. The first movie was so good. And then I think I like stopped watching the second one mid-movie. Yeah. Shout out to Theo James, who just rocked my world in high school when I saw him on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is the most attractive man I've ever seen. That's um, so true. And then the last Divergent movie, I think they probably had a budget of $50. Like, it was the worst (laughs) movie I've ever watched in my entire life. Um, But great books. Great books. All right. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't watch the last few movies because I didn't even read the books. Did you read the books? I read the books. Mm. Um, And, I mean, the the rest of the books weren't as good as the first one. But... um, they were still good, and the movies were absolute, absolute trash. I've but heard that. Great cast, though. Mm-hmm. Shailene Woodley, Miles Teller, Theo mm-hmm. James. Yeah. Totally. Ansel Elgort? Yeah, that's who I remember. Was yeah. that her brother? Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, okay, so we she's kind of starting to give a little bit more detail about the quadrant. So the rider's quadrant is the smartest and strongest of Navarre. Navarre? Navarre? I'm going Navarre. Uh, Sounds good. Reminds me of, did you watch Cheer on Netflix? No. Oh, well, the school's like Navarre. Oh. So I just kept reading it as that. <laughs> Um, and, but it sounds like kind of what you were saying is that everyone kind of knows since birth where they're going to go based on where their family goes. Yeah. And so most of these people who are entering the rider squadron are the smartest and strongest, and they've been training since birth. Whereas our narrator has only been training for six months with major Gilstead. So interesting. Why only six months? So, um, they are at a college. I'm not even gonna try with the name where they are trained to defend against invasions from the kingdom of, okay, we're talking about, I'm still talking about the writers. Yeah. So they go to this college where they're trained to defend against invasions from the kingdom of Peromiel and their Gryphon riders. Um, her mother, our narrator's mother is a commander, um, but our narrator does not get special treatment, which this is the point where I was like, why do you only have six months of training if your mother is literally the commander of the Rider Squadron? Yeah. It makes no sense. Yeah. And I like that brings me to a point that I'll talk about later, but keep going. Okay. Um, so she gets to her mother's office and she hears arguing outside the door um, about how she isn't ready to go to the rider squadron and is going to fail. And the voices are her mother and her sister Mira. Um, we find out that we find out from Mira's fight with her mother that Violet, now we now our narrator's named, um, has been training her whole life to be a scribe. Um, and there was a last minute switch to where now she's going to enter the rider squadron. Um, so her mother walks over to Violet um, and examines her light hair. I feel like this is going to be a big deal later. I was confused about the hair. Why is it silver at the end? I don't know, but it's giving Anna from Frozen. Yeah, I. this is one of those details. You know how you like block out that Tamlin had long hair? Yeah. I'm kind of blocking out that half her hair is silver and half is brown. <laughs> I, don't, I feel like I don't it's, have gonna a good be, visual. it's going to matter because it's going to be an identifier for her. It's totally going to matter, but I don't visually understand how that looks. Yeah, you're. It, it, I'm ombre, but silver. I don't. It know. It just looks like the ends of her hair is gray. Yeah, I don't know. But anyway, her mom says she's examining her light hair and says. Pale skin, pale eyes, pale hair. It's like that fever stole all your coloring along with your strength. I told him not to keep you in the library. Just, just rude. Seems aggressive from a mother. Um, but this she's, mother is aggressive. Sorry? This mother is aggressive. She is. Um, she's referring to Violet's father when she says, I told him not to keep you in that library she's referring to her father who was a scribe but passed away over a year ago um yeah and I have a question about this um the mom's like I told him not to keep you in the library like blah 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 and now the mom's basically making her mm -hmm. change and become a writer 
But I'm like, why? if the mom felt so strongly about her being a writer, why didn't she just make her grow up training for it instead of spending most of her life training to be a scribe if the mom was never going to let her be a scribe? I also agree, and I have two thoughts. So I had the same question. Is She seems to look so down on scribes. Like, she's like, Soren Gales are writers. Like, she looks down on scribes. So I'm like, one, you obviously fell in love with a scribe. Like, why are you with a scribe? Why were you married to a scribe or have children, yeah. having children with a scribe if you hate that so much? And two, my guess is that when they had kids, they agreed one would be a writer and one would be a scribe since they're both two different things. And since mm-hmm. her older sister is the writer, maybe they trained Violet to be a scribe. Yeah, I need more details about how the society actually functions because they're acting like the writers have so much better social standing and all this stuff i'm like well it's not like the mom's still married a scribe but clearly the the different quadrants intermix yeah and that's fine yeah so like what is what does the actual society look like yeah like is a, it, are they in a question. town like is it just just kind of describes the war college yeah i feel like we're not gonna know though because right now she's yeah, I feel like the whole book is going to be about her in the quadrant she goes to. Yeah. And she talks about having that childhood friend and growing up together and like going like swimming and stuff. I'm like, that? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that seems out of place too. Yeah. But um, yeah. So the first chapter, honestly, was very confusing. As they usually are. As they are usually are. World. But yeah. Um. Okay, so then she said, the mother says she will not have any one of her children enter the scribe quadrant and says if she tries, she will drag her out by her braids. Uh, Mira and the mother continue to fight about Violet as if she's not in the room. The temperature of the room plummets courtesy of the mom's storm-wielding signet power. She channels through her dragon, Amser. I wrote, dragons have magic? question mark question mark okay (laughs) yeah i feel like this chapter is just a bunch of hinting at a lot of different things yeah um so mira throws out a big dig by bringing up their late brother brennan who died in in battle as a rider asking their mother if she wants to bury it bury another child it's silent for a long moment and then the mom dismisses mira she turns to Violet once Mira is gone and says, you scored in the top quarter for speed and agility during the entrance exam. You'll do just fine. All Soringills do just fine. I also just want to say the reason Mira is so mad that the mom is making Violet go into the conscri- the conscription day for writers or whatever, however you say that, um, is because not only like are, do people sometimes die, most of the time 50 candidates die each year (laughs) i wrote jesus christ out of how many 50 yeah just and on the day of the test yeah it's it's likely that you will die yeah like at at least like if not on the first day like over the course of your three years yeah they gave they give the stats later of like this percentage die on conscription day this percentage dies you're one you're two and i was like oh my god you guys need a better system yeah it doesn't seem like that is is uh an effective way to build an army is the rest the correct way yeah it doesn't seem like uh, like an effective way to like run a society but um (laughs) 50 it's like oh my god this book already is like way more 
harsh. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Definitely. Um, so then, you know, after she says that semi nice comment to, uh, Violet trying to encourage her the mom then reminds her that she won't be able to acknowledge Violet for three years when she becomes a writer um, because she's superior in rank which Violet already knows but just seems like again intense um so Violet and Mira get back to Violet's room um and they find that their mom already had all of Violet's stuff packed Mira, mad that she didn't talk to her mom, talk her mom out of making Violet do this, starts unpacking Violet's bag and replacing it with stuff she thinks will be more valuable for whatever tournament thing she's about to enter. Um, It's commented again that um, what I lack in strength, I make up for in speed. Uh, Violet explains that she can't use swords because they are too heavy, but she is really quick with daggers. The small ones are always fast. Yeah. Um, as Mira tosses Violet's books aside, Violet protests. So I guess she had a bunch of books packed in her, um, bags to take to the writer's quadrant. Um, but Mira gets serious and gives a whole speech ending with pretty intense line. Uh, decide Violet, are you going to die a scribe or live a writer? Oh, that is intense. <laughs> yeah basically they just battle back and forth between like because violet wants to keep her books but she's like no you need to your bags need to be light or you're not going to be able to cross the parpet into uh is that how you say it i don't know i'm saying parapet oh maybe it's that but i don't know what it, it, the whole time i was like what what are they crossing and why <laughs> <laughs> i think it's just like to me it's like a small rickety bridge you know yeah. what i which we'll get to this won't make sense to people listening but if you haven't read the book but i'm picturing in shrek you know how they have to go over that (laughs) really long rickety bridge yeah that's what i picture yeah yeah so i don't know if you said this but that's what the test is i guess for day one is they have no i haven't said cross cross the parapet and they keep saying that and you're like what what and also why do so many people die like it's very confusing you know what Um, let me let me google what a parapet is that must be a normal thing i did and it said like a small ledge but i picture it based on how it's described like a foot or so long maybe even less than that wide yeah a foot or so wide and then really long like connecting to like mountain mountain peaks oh it's kind of like like almost like a beam yeah like i picture like a concrete slab like in between two sides of the mountain Mm. and that's what for some reason they're having them run across and to get to the college to get to the college yeah um okay so after that whole little argument violet changes into an outfit which is objectively badass so it's like black tight leather pants long sleeve black shirt with a black corset vest that has like daggers slide it slide into it it's giving illyrian leathers yeah yeah that's so true um so mira explains you know that the other riders can kill you at any time and the cutthroat cadets will try Fewer cadets means better odds at threshing, which is why they would kill you because there are never enough dragons willing to bond and anyone reckless enough to get themselves killed isn't worthy of a dragon anyway. 
So that's just not true. Like this is, are we in the Hunger Games? Like we're in the Hunger Games. Like this is where I was like, no, no. So you're going to kill 50 people on the first day walking across a beam and then it's just open season on killing each other for like three years yeah like what the crap is that like literally this is the hunger games and divergent like meshed in one like at least in divergent when she was doing the hazing to be you weren't gonna be killed yeah you weren't killing each other um that just seems excessive and even if like even if someone doesn't match with the dragon because shouldn't the dragons get to pick like like I think even they if, do. yeah but even if someone isn't whatever worthy to be matched with the dragon so put them in like the stables or something like have yeah. them clean up after the dragons like give them a job besides just having them die like <laughs> it's literally like once you choose to be a writer if you don't match with the dragon you're basically dead well no you can try again you can try year. again yeah but like you're risking your, you're life, risking again. your life again yeah yeah probably at more of a risk because people look at you as weak because you didn't match with the dragon yeah so and that just makes no sense to me like this is not a stable way to run a society (laughs) um okay so um sorry my phone is um okay i lost my place Okay, so then Violet reminds, so after Mira says that, Violet reminds her that it's an executable offense to attack a cadet while sleeping. But Mira says, yes, that doesn't mean you're safe at night, though. Sleep in this if you can, and points to her corset strapped with the daggers. Um, Violet is worried people are going to say she didn't earn the daggers, which I don't know what that means, but uh, Mira says, fuck them. And... (laughs) Violet asks Mira if the dragon scales are cheating, which she replies that there is no cheating in this, only life or death, which, yes, I agree, is giving Hunger Games. But in the Hunger Games, at least they standardized everyone's uniform. That's true. That's true. If anything, Violet should bring in more daggers. I agree. And more dragon scales. I agree. If if that's allowed. (laughs) You know? Looking at me is hilarious. (laughs) Um... Okay, so they Mira and Violet start heading towards the crowd where they're waiting to enter the quadrants. Mira hugs Violet goodbye and says, "Find Dane Aetos." I wrote Dane, a love interest. I know, so exciting. Um, this makes Violet smile. She thinks it's been a year and I've missed his soft brown eyes and the way he laughs. I've missed our friendship in the moments I thought it might turn into more under the right circumstances. I've missed the way he looks at me like I'm someone worth noticing. Ooh, ooh, ooh. An early love interest. It is. Um, which to me usually means not a long one. So keep summarizing. I have thoughts. Okay. Mira says he's doing well from what she has heard of training for the rider quadrant rider quadrant she says he is a second year so she could not sleep with him even though she should sleep with people because you don't want rumors to spread that you've slept your way to safety i think i stumbled through that but basically she's saying you should sleep around because you never know when you're gonna die but you can't sleep in higher ranks sleep with people in higher ranks because people will think that like you're doing that to keep yourself protected um who cares i know have a little fun um 
I'm I'm moving on to undane related things. So did you have thoughts? No, move on. Okay. The college is built into the side of Basquiat Mountain with four entrances, most of which are normal archways or gates that you just walk through, except for the rider entrance. Okay, so this is when we're talking about what exactly you have to do to enter, which we were just talking about. So you have to climb um, an extremely, like, endless amounts of stairs it sounds like and then at the top there is a bridge that crosses the river bottom valley that divides the main college from the even higher citadel of the riders quadrant once you cross you go from a cadet to a rider candidate so um and Violet says, and to think I have been preparing for the scribe's written exam all these years. I should have been playing on a balance beam. Um, but basically, you go over a balance beam like bridge um, to get to the much higher portion of the college that's for the rider's quadrant. Um, so Mira's, Mira leaves her. Um, at this moment with the last piece of advice of don't seek friendships in their violet forge alliances yes and i was asking myself what why the hell do they have to walk across a balance beam but apparently it's because you need good balance to be oh to balance balance on a dragon dragon. yeah and like fight on a dragon so it somewhat makes sense um i still think those two things can't be that related but (laughs) (laughs) okay so they're in line to basically check in at the writer's quadrant yes wait are you gonna say the thing about her sister said about looking out for zayden i don't think that's there yet okay yes she says it i'm about to Okay. okay okay so um they're going in line to check in they notice a man at the role keeping desk is a separatist separatists kid he uh, has a shimmering mark on the top of his wrist that is called a relic from the rebellion so relics are typically from a dragon to mark the skin of their bonded rider which is a symbol of honor and power um but these relics on a separatist kid um is more of a warning than a claiming so mira explains that general melgren's dragon did it all to the kids whose parents were executed for treason as a reminder of what happens to traitors um so i guess if you're um if if your parent rebelled then they were executed and like the parents were executed but then the kids were just marked to like as a warning like yeah. if you try to follow your parents' footsteps, you the same thing will happen. Um, so at that moment, this triggers. Oh, so let me just say that most of those traders are from the Tyrendor province. Um, so there's six provinces, which we'll learn more about, but they're all from that province. I don't know if that will be important. Um, but this convo triggers a final. We had our final piece of advice. Now our final warning from Mira. Stay the hell away from Zayden Ryerson. So obvious actual love interest. Right? Zayden Ryerson. Exactly. I know. I know. And my reasons for thinking it's Zayden and not Dane is mainly based on the fact that Zayden is a main character name and Dane is not. <laughs> that is so 
true. <laughs> that is so true. It's giving like Dane is like I'm thinking about Gilmore Girls because it's fall. Dane is Dean from Gilmore Girls, who is lame, and Zayden is Jesse. Do you know what's also giving to me? Who? Dane is Gale from Hunger Games, the childhood friend. Oh He's going to be like God. this more like kind of like obvious, like right there. He's going to definitely develop feelings for her too. And then Zayden is like the the bad guy, the guy who is questionable, maybe kind of mean, the brooding. He's giving resand. Like he's yeah. definitely giving resand. Yeah. Like totally. probably comes off. He's probably going to, we're probably going to hate him at first and then we're going to love him. Um, so I want to give a little bit more background about Zayden and his family before I give my my big end of book prediction. Okay. Um, which I have a feeling you'll probably agree with. But, okay. Because um, it seems predictable. I'm still interested, but it seems predictable. Um, so Violet has a look of recognition and fear when, when Mira says Zayden Ryerson. So he's a, she says... And Mira says to her back, that's, yeah, that's Zayden Ryerson. He's a third year and he will kill you the second he finds out who you are. And I immediately wrote, love interest? <laughs> it's like, obviously. Obvious. <laughs> um, and then, so Zayden's father was the great portrayer and led the rebellion. So they thought Zayden would get killed as a cadet, but he's done so well and bonded with a dragon and risen to the rank of wing leader. So he's like extra at risk of being another rebeller because his father led the last one. Um, and because of that, they think that Violet's at risk of him killing Violet because, you know, her mother is a general. Yeah. So... I, my great, my big prediction for the book, do you have one? I don't want to steal. No, you go. Okay. Is that Zayden is going to convert Violet and they're going to rebel together against her own mother. So I like that prediction too, because I also had some, my, my prediction was more vague, but like something's going to happen where like the rebellions pick him back up. Totally. And you know what? I support the rebellion so far because again, this society <laughs> is not stable <laughs> and we don't know enough about, um, the rebellion to say like, was it actually bad or what was the point of it? Or like, how is society run? Like, what were they trying to change? Mm -hmm. But, um, I, I, it also sounds like the, the major like master, dragon guy like um like can't ever be overthrown and like he might be i'm getting the sense he might be kind of corrupt yeah yeah we're so, gonna get to that but yeah yeah no i i like that i like that prediction yeah yeah um so i'll kind of skip ahead they have some conversations with um the person checking them in everyone's kind of realizing like oh violet you're checking in for the writer's quadrant thought you were going to be at this i thought you were going to be a scribe um a lot of the writers around them is are like awestruck by mira because she has a, a sounds like a great reputation she's badass um and yeah sounds great um and then the one guy behind her though is already starting to like talk a little shit to yeah. violet so We'll put a pin in that, but just know there's a little, there's, there's an enemy forming. Yeah. Um, 
But she's also making friends with the people around her. Yeah. So she she begins her 250 stair climb to the bridge. Is that like a lot of stairs? 250? 250 individual stairs? I think that's a lot. I think a normal flight is like 24 or something. Oh. So what's 250 divided by 24? Like only like 10 flights. Yeah, that's not that many. They made it sound way more. Oh, whatever. <laughs> um, anyway. Um, okay, so she starts her 250 stair climb to the bridge. I'm sure it just feels like a lot when you're like on the other side, have impending death. Um, and she starts making small talk with a blonde man named Dylan and a woman named Rhiannon. Uh, they discuss how many people have died just going up these stairs because there's no railings. And Dylan says, I feel like I've been waiting my entire life for this day. Can you believe we actually get to do this? It's a dream come true. Yeah, they're like excited. I know, like I, I'm drawing so many comparisons to Hunger Games, but it's like how in the Hunger Games, like districts the one through four are excited yeah. mm-hmm. for the opportunity. Yeah, to, they volunteer. They volunteer. Yeah. yeah. That's the other thing is most of these people are volunteers. Yeah. Um, so Violet then remembers she's the only person here not excited to be here as the writer's quadrant, like I just said, is the only quadrant that does not accept conscripts. I don't know what that means. Only volunteers. So you must be able to like designate someone from birth what, uh, quadrant they're going to go to. And maybe that's what a conscript is, but writer's quadrant is only volunteers, but there are perks of being a writer. So there's better pay. There's leniency with the uniform policy. It's like, you're, God damn, there should be better I pay. Know. You're writing a dragon, not putting books on a shelf. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, yeah, and you're pretty bad at you're pretty badass. You're allowed to marry sooner, right after graduation. Um, and I don't really know. Yeah, so, I was confused. I don't think the... that those are great perks. No, not not, not, when it's not outweighing the risks. No. Yeah. Also, yeah, I was confused by the rules about like marriage and. It also says you wear certain types of clothes depending on what quadrant you're in. I'm like, oh, okay, so this is very restrictive. Yeah. And also there can't be that many marriage rules because like you can marry marry in between quadrants. But you have to wait till you're a certain age. Like how does that make sense? You're killing off so many people. You should you should be like encouraging people to marry and have Well, children. that's why they let riders quadrant people marry so much sooner because they want to be able to continue bloodlines. Yeah. Before they die. So at that moment, Dylan pulls out a ring, a ring on a chain around his neck and says, she said it would be bad luck to propose before I left. So we're waiting until graduation. The next three years are going to be long ones, but they'll be worth it. And then kisses the ring. So sweet. Yeah. It hurts. Uh, So then the man behind her makes a comment for the second time that a gust of wind might blow Violet off the parapet. Parapet. I think I've pronounced that word differently every single time I've said it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. So we don't like this man. Um, But then Violet notices that Rhiannon's boots are smooth soled and convinces her to trade shoes. So I didn't mention this when they were up in uh, Violet's room with Mira. But Mira made Violet change boots to like ones with better grip that she's able to She'll be able to more successfully get across the parapet. Again, there should be a standard shoe. Like having a worse shoe shouldn't be a disadvantage and almost kill you. Like if you want the best talent, like 
the shoe they're wearing shouldn't be the They got to be smart enough to wear the right shoes, Izzy. I guess so. But Violet <laughs> almost didn't wear the right shoes. Like, like yeah. they need they need better awareness of what type of shoe yeah, should be worn. I agree. Uh, but this is really like a character moment for Violet, right? right? We see her. She offers another shoe to Rhiannon. They switch shoes, even though Rhiannon's is way bigger than hers. She's self-sacrificial. Right. Um, so again, the asshole behind her, uh, shoves her and is like, let's go. Some of us have things to do on the other side because they're like trying to trade shoes. We don't like him, but I think he's definitely, uh, the villain. Um, okay. So she gets to the top. She's staring out over at the bridge and the river below terrified. She's recounting how 15% of cadets fall to their death on that bridge but every challenge is meant to weed out those who are not strong enough to become a rider. And if you don't have the balance on that bridge, you won't have the balance on the back of a dragon fighting. It just can't be true. In one <laughs> in one situation, you're sitting down. And on the other, you're balancing on a beam. Yeah. Yeah. But okay. <laughs> I am just laughing at my next note. Um, okay. So... There are three men at the entrance of the parapet, <laughs> one taking names as candidates enter the crossing, a second with a shaved head except for his mohawk, and the third is the most exquisite man she's ever seen. Tall, windblown black hair, dark brows, strong jawline with a little stubble, ripped, eyes shaped of gold-flexed onyx. Oh, sorry, not shaped, shade. <laughs> I got a little dramatic there. Um diagonal scar through his left eyebrow down to his cheek she says his features are so harsh that they look carved and yet they're astonishingly perfect like an artist worked a lifetime sculpting him and at least a year of that was spent on his mouth oh my god i wrote this is not the kind of distraction she needs right now oh she's about to walk across a bridge a bridge of death (laughs) a bridge of death no i wrote it's giving reese with a touch of lucian i wrote it's giving reese sand (laughs) with the the eyebrow that's lucian Lucian. yep tall dragon handsome that's how that's also how you know that he's the main character yeah (laughs) and the most exquisite man i've ever met okay yeah that's basically word for word yeah yeah um, and I like how also when she said that she was like, "He's the most exquisite man I've ever seen." And I've seen a lot of men. Like did. just so we know, she wasn't coming from like an all girls school. Like she's she's seen men. I do really <laughs> like that about Violet. She's like has like a little bit of a flirty, dirty mouth. Oh yeah, she does. We'll get more into it, but I like it. Um, so she's really admiring this man, but then the one taking names says to this man. Ready for the next one, Ryerson? Yep. As in Zayden Ryerson. Knew it. Knew it, knew it, knew it. Main <laughs> character energy, like, bursting out of this man. Totally. Between the tall, dark, and handsome and the name and the fact that he's her enemy, it's, like, obvious. I love <laughs> an enemies to lovers story, though. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. In most cases, not not really in uh, terms and conditions. Or in real life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Um, okay. So she then notices the rebellion relic that goes from his wrist up his neck in swirls. Rhiannon then blows Violet's cover because obviously she doesn't want Zayden to know who she is. Um, and Rhiannon says, you ready for this Soren Gale? Like you couldn't have just called her Violet. Yeah. Or like, (laughs) 
didn't don't say a name yeah um at that moment zayden immediately pivots and comes to violet with an intense stare he says sorengale you're general sorengale's youngest and she responds you're fen ryerson's son he is staring at her with a cold unadulterate unadulterated hatred and she feels very fragile very intense um the way he pivots so sharply reminds me of a story i forgot to tell you from the keys um so one of the girls there that is uh that we were snorkeling with she um has been doing the lobster diving for like her entire life so she's like super super good at it and so sometimes when we weren't sure we'd get to a spot and we weren't sure if there was gonna be lobsters there we would she would jump in first to like scope it out and uh so one time she jumped in just her I kid you not as soon as she splashed into the water like 60 feet away there was just a loud like sharp pivot in the water of like some very large animal oh my god like it was like and like just started darting right towards her like i have no idea what it was we could just see like the water oh my god that's so scary yeah we were like uh michaela like she swam over we like yanked her back in the boat but we never saw what it was that is so scary it was so scary that was the only scary moment we had but the way his head just like sharply turns towards her yeah with dagger eyes predatorial reminded me of that oh that's a good analogy (laughs) okay i'm trying to move trying to move quick here so okay she thinks about what mira says and starts fearing that he will throw her over the edge right there and then and she will never even get a chance to attempt uh at being what her mother hopes her to be instead she will just be weak as her mother always insinuated she was uh, Zayden responds, your mother captured my father and oversaw his execution. And now Violet's annoyed because he's like trying to play victim. Uh, and she says, your father killed my older brother. Seems like we're even. Which I didn't know that her his father killed her brother. I was like, oh my God. Yeah, we knew that he died, but we yeah. didn't know it was his father. And Zayden says, hardly. So I'm interested to know the truth, like of what really happened in those battles. Yeah. You know? They go back and forth. Rhiannon's jumping in, trying to, you know, figure out why there's so much intense energy between them. And Violet straight up asks him if he's going to kill her. But before he can answer, the sky opens up and it starts downpouring. And at the same time, they hear a scream. Violet looks up. Dylan has slipped. The one who was had the ring around his neck. He's slipped but has caught himself. And then falls to his death. Our first, wrote, our first death. I wrote, no, Dylan. Also, we already have a love interest and a death and a new friend all in chapter one. Akatar could never. <laughs> That's so true. That's so true. I'm sorry I like was uh, stumbling over my notes there. But but yeah, it was it was a lot. This was a big moment. I gasped. Yeah. I thought Dylan and Rhiannon, I thought they would probably be like a little trio going forward. I hoped so, but I think it set the tone again of this book being very brutal all around. Yeah. And that just continues. And I'm honestly a little nervous to keep reading because like it seems like no one is safe. I know who. Yeah, we can't get too attached to anyone. No, definitely not. 
Um, so, so Violet gasps, hand over mouth, almost crying. Zayden unfazed, never even looks, just keeps staring at Violet. And the chapter ends with a smirk. He says, why would I waste my energy killing you when the parapet will do it for me? Your turn. I bet Zayden secretly hates watching like 50 kids die each year on conscription day. And he thinks Violet's like a carbon copy of her mom, who he probably hates. And then once he realizes that she also like hates it, hates it, hates the death, hates the violence. I bet they're going to bond over that. Oh, resand. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. So any any other initial thoughts from chapter one? Are you do you like Violet? Um I like her. I I haven't I thought her the narration in the as sometimes gets a little bit like cheesy sounding. Oh, okay. Um but I like her. I I made a note. This is in chapter 3, but I can say it now that she swears a lot like in her internal thoughts. So she's like yeah. I'm so fucking tired of this. And I'll be like do people think like do people think swear words internally because i don't think i do like in my mind i'm not just like i'm fucking done with this all the time <laughs> i don't know what I, you know what i mean yeah i guess that's true i'm trying to think of like what i think because i definitely like cuss more than you like it's in more of my language more often i think it's funny whenever she cusses i for some reason doesn't seem like natural to me but that just might be because i don't you don't really cuss I, I mean you do I, but not really yeah I don't I don't really and I definitely don't that's not she it's like it's, it's kind of a lot for like what I think an internal monologue sounds like so maybe that's just what makes it sound like a little bit dramatic dramatic for mm-hmm. like an internal thought but you know she's in the very dramatic setting so maybe if I was about to fall to my death I, I, I would also be, I would be cussing all the time in my head too <laughs> I also think that we'll get used to it right like it's chapter one and they're trying to like dive into the intensity very quick but yeah. i think once we get used to this world and how intense it is it might seem more natural yeah but i think it was just a little like shocking right at that's, first. that's what i thought yeah yeah, yeah. but i okay. like her i need to understand her silver hair um but i she's feisty right right off the bat which i wasn't expecting in chapter two so let's get into chapter two because yeah, yeah, yeah. i like her i like her, her better than Feyre. or chapter already. two and chapter three actually yeah, yeah yeah um okay so rhiannon steps out and onto the, the parapet and says i'll wait for you on the other side and violet responds i'll see you on the other side which is sweet and she just says a little silent prayer to Zainal, the god of luck. They have many gods. Um, so Vi steps out onto the, par- the parapet, and a gust of wind immediately almost knocks her over, just as uh, our friend on the stairs had said. Um, and they say, and someone yells out to her, "And you think you'll be able to ride some Sorengale with that kind of balance? I pity, but whatever wing you end up in." Which was the annoying cadet behind her. And wing is like the whatever group you end up in. Right. Yeah. Um, and this cadet then tells the rider taking names that his name is Jack Barlow. Or Harlow. <laughs> <laughs> 
And he says, remember, remember my name because he's going to be wing leader one day. Please. I wrote, he's giving Malfoy. He is giving Malfoy. It's just giving eye roll. Like yeah. this kid is going to be just an, a big He's mouth. Die. With nothing to back it up. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So to calm herself, instead of singing, as many do, she recites facts for her, from her studies to become a scribe. Like the nerd. I mean scribe. She is. That's what I wrote. <laughs> I wrote. I like that she's pretending reciting history is comforting for her just so the we, author can get us the history lesson. <laughs> I was just about to say this. It gives us a nice background. Yeah. Um, so the continent, LOL, um, Parthian, um, <laughs> is home to two kingdoms. We could almost pretend that this is like the same universe. Yeah. Um. But anyway, the continent is home to two kingdoms that have been at war for 400 years. Navarre, where Vi is from, is the larger kingdom with six provinces. There's no way we're ever going to remember this, but I'm just going to I'm just going to say it all. So Tyrandur, southernmost largest province, shares a border with the province of Krovla within the Peromial kingdom. Uh, So that's like their main touch point with the enemy kingdom is Tyrandor to their Kravla. <laughs> to, <laughs> to their east lie the remaining two Peromial provinces. I'm not even going to read these. It's too much. At this point, she's halfway. All right, so beyond Kravla, beyond the enemy, lie the distant barrens, a desert. At this point, wind hits her and she almost falls, crouch- crouches down, holding the parapet with her hands. So... At this point, it's it's really giving. If you remember the scene in Akatar where she's punching Rhysand's, um, uh hands and while also like having all these really intense thoughts, and it's go it's like punch, punch, deep thought, punch, punch, deep thought. Oh, Cassian. Oh, sorry, did yeah. I say Rhysand? Yeah, Cassian, right? Yeah, it yeah. was Cassian. Yeah, um, it's the same style of writing where it's like fact, fact checking in on where she's on the parapet fact fact checking on where she's in the parapet so um so at at this point she's she's talking about the you know geography of the continent and a big gust of wind hits her and she falls to her knees on the parapet but she catches herself my hands were sweating i know i was very nervous reading this i actually Um, really don't like heights oh really yeah not your thing have you ever have you been to the needle in chicago isn't that what it's called are you talking about the space needle yeah in seattle oh wait there's something isn't there something similar in chicago uh there's uh the willis tower sky deck and they have like where it's like a window and you're like yeah they have like the glass floor and you look down i have been there um that stuff doesn't bother me as much it's just like more so being on the ledge where um, you could really fall where you could really fall yeah yeah it's fair okay so so Tyrandor, so that's where most of the the people of the rebellion came from. They attempted to secede like sick like and with the rebellion and everything, but that would leave their kingdom of Navarre defenseless because that's like what borders them from uh Peromial, whatever. Um so the kingdom of Peromial mainly consists of 
arabel plains and marshlands and is known for textiles endless fields of grain unique crystalline gems capable of amplifying minor ma magics and in contrast navarre's mountainous regions offer an abundance of ore hardy timber from their eastern provinces and limitless uh deer and elk which all this talk really made me think of Catan, <laughs> settlers of Catan um trading the wheat for, yeah, the, for yeah, the ore yeah, the ore yeah um so the trade agreement of russian was signed more than 200 years ago and it ensures exchange of meat and lumber from navarre for cloth and agricultural within peromial four times a year so even there though they're in this like 400 year long war um they have four days a year where they sell their differences in trade because they know that like they need each other ultimately um at this point she can see the rider's quadrant she's almost there and she looks back and sees jack harlow <laughs> and it's just so comical like putting him in this situation <laughs> sorry jack barlow um <laughs> and he's about a quarter of the way down um, then to her horror, she sees him turn around and throw the cadet behind him off the bridge. Yeah, I wrote, so this guy's just a psychopath? Like, what the fuck? He's just a psychopath? Yeah. And then he turns and yells at Vi, you're next, Soringale. And he charges after her quickly. I was very nervous. Um, she keeps thinking about all of these facts, but like, I don't care about the facts anymore. I need her to get away. Um, she, she gets hit by another gust of wind and falls to the parapet again and makes the mistake of looking down. She's terrified. She's rushing up, hearing Jack getting closer and closer, just praying her feet land on the bridge. She's not even like trying to balance anymore. She's just running on this parapet. Um, but she knows that honestly falling would be better than Jack getting to her and throwing her off. He yells, there's no way someone who can't even carry a full rucksack passes the entrance 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 exam. You're a mistake, Sorengale. It's really for the best that I take you out now. Don't you think it's so much more merciful than letting the dragons have you? They'll start to eat you leg by rickety leg while you're still alive. Come on. It'll be my pleasure to help you out. Not rickety leg. Ugh. Rickety leg. <laughs> what does it even mean? <laughs> He's just like, yeah, he really does remind me of the guy from, which I don't even know his name, from Hunger Games, who was in, um, oh, in Kato, the for in one Kato, yes, 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 yeah, it was a Kato and Glimmer, yeah, the one yeah. who like he kills himself at the end of the first one, yeah, spoiler alert, <laughs> well, that movie's been out for a long time, um, and Violet's response though to him is the fuck you will, which probably didn't say it with that attitude because she was in panic. Um, but this part, like, I just, it made me like her so much more than Feyre. Yeah, she also keeps reciting over and over throughout the first first three chapters, like, I will not die today. I'm not, yeah. I'm not dying today. She's manifesting. Not today. Yeah, she's <laughs> manifesting. Um, but it, like, keeps giving her the will to keep going. Yeah, totally. She's just, like, talking herself into succeeding. Um, so she basically runs the last couple of feet and Jack, as she's like jumping down to the quadrant, 
Jack like almost snags her, but just misses and she gets in and Jack yells, you think you're safe in there? And he and he jumps in as well. But she whips around with her dagger aimed right at his balls and says, I think I'll be safe for right now. (laughs) And uh, she starts to she starts to recite the codex about why it's unlawful to harm another cadet while in a in a quadrant formation or like all this shit. Um, Yeah, basically, she's like now now that she's on the other side, he can't touch her. So she's like. You can't touch me, but you're still on the freaking parapet and I've got my dagger yeah. at your balls. So what are you going to do about it? Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, she slices through the first layer of fabric on his pants and says, I suggest you reconsider. I might slip. She's badass. Like, I think she should have pushed him off. Well, she's not a psychopath, <laughs> but I just like how inside she's like scared. She's scared shitless, but like she can like pretend. It does make her a little more relatable than Feyre because Feyre is like a natural hunter. Yeah. Um, And Violet so far, she's like, I'm totally, this is so out of my element, but I'm just going to like fake it till you make fake it. Fake it till I make it. Mm-hmm. Which is really, you know, what I do every single day of my life. <laughs> Same. <laughs> relatable. <laughs> oh my God. That's so true. Um, Okay, so during their little standoff, uh, the rider taking names on the other side, um, you know, just says, name. <laughs> and Violet's like, Violet Sorengale. And before you ask, yes, I'm not Sorengale. She's like over people asking her that. Um, and the rider's like, not surprised with that maneuver. And it's like the nicest compliment Violet thinks she's ever received because all anyone ever says is how she's nothing like a Soren Gale. And it was like nice to finally yeah, get that. Yeah, like affirmation. She's got some fight in her. Yeah. Um. Anyway, they're going back and forth. And uh, Jack then says, he like hops into the quadrant and says, you're dead, Soren Gale, and I'm going to be the one to kill you. Doesn't this man feel just a little bit embarrassed to have this death vendetta against this small little woman? yes like and it, in front yeah, of his superiors like it, yeah it probably actually would be easy for him to kill her like isn't that just a little bit embarrassing for him yeah. to be like i'm so threatened by you you're on my list you're number one on my list that is so true there and that is my favorite thing to like ever say to someone who's like an asshole and like in life i always do that like when i'm out drunk and i'm a little more confident and like people are acting like assholes at uh the bar or something to be like that's so embarrassing for you like aren't you embarrassed or like you know like wait when was the last time you said that to someone i honestly have said it like probably three times in my life (laughs) that's so embarrassing for you i like can hear myself saying it i'm trying to think of the example like fuck i can't remember i think it's a good insult i think so too and so i just love that you just said that about him (laughs) (laughs) he should be embarrassed he should i'm gonna my goal (laughs) Uh, that's not my goal. I was going to say my goal is to say that to someone this weekend, but like, I'm not going to go out attacking people. 
but they deserve it. I will say it. Goal. I'm sure we can find someone for you to say that too. (laughs) At Tao. If only, if only I was there when that guy started attacking Connor at your girls' night. Oh yeah. Well, we just got to get out of that one. That one was just straight up. I would have been like, "How embarrassing for you." That was embarrassing for him. (laughs) If you don't know what we're talking about, go listen to our bonus episode. Well, if someone starts acting up, I'll call you over. Just so I can tell them how embarrassing they are. <laughs> okay, anyway. Um all right, so I kind of made a little summary, but I feel like I already kind of summarized it earlier. Yes. Just about, you know, Navare good guys apparently. Uh Peromial bad guys. They trade four times a year, but otherwise they're in a huge war. Yes. Um so as Violet's adrenaline dies down, she's, you know, she's walking into the courtyard of the Citadel. She starts to feel all the pain and, uh, it, like, emotionally and physically from that experience. Is of, this no chapter three? Oh, I'm so sorry. It is. <laughs> yeah. I just wanted to make sure I was tracking with my notes. We are moving on to chapter three. The last line was, you're dead, Sorengale, and I'm going to be the one to kill you. I forgot to, you know, cue that up. As uh, you always did. So chapter three. Uh, so her adrenaline's dying down. And she's starting to feel the emotional and physical pain of that extremely traumatic experience. Her body's trembling. Her knee is throbbing from her fall. Um, she's almost like her knee's almost giving out. as She's trying to walk. Um, but Rhiannon runs over to her and is like, we made it. We made it. They're all excited. Violet's trying to um be excited with her but and Rhiannon thanks her for the book but she notices that Violet's in pain and she is a good friend and tries to cover for her and it's like oh you know we should probably sit down and switch boots um really quickly can I say something that happened I think at the very beginning of chapter three? Oh yeah with Jack Harlow yeah um he like before she like walks away he takes in her scent he oh, her. I definitely blew right past that because you know how I hate smells. And I wrote, not the sense, not <laughs> the sense. Why aren't we leaving that in Akatar? Aren't they supposed to be like humans? Like, why are we scenting people? I don't like the sense. I don't like the sense. And those not need not be in every fantasy book. Those need not be. <laughs> so true. I hate that. But I just I wanted to call that, that out so that we still are scenting. That things. makes me not like him even more. Yeah. It's gross. Um, okay. So, yeah. So, Rhiannon kind of covers for her and is like, oh, let's sit down so we can trade boots because she can see that Violet's in pain and you don't want anyone to see you in pain because then you look weak and you're a target. So, um, as they're walking there, a tall black uniform darts out of the crowd and Violet, like, runs smack into him. Violet, the the figure says... Vi looks up into a pair of familiar striking brown eyes flared wide in an obvious shock and relief sweeps through her. This man she realizes she knows well is taller, has a beard, and is filled out in a way that makes her blink, dot, dot, dot. (laughs) The beautiful, okay, this is what she says. I'm quoting now. The beautiful, easygoing smile that stared, that stared in wait, 
I'm sorry, excuse me. The beautiful, easygoing smile that starred in way too many of my fantasies is far from the scowl that purses his mouth and everything about him seems a little harder, but it works for him. The line of his chin, the set of his brow, even the muscles of his biceps are rigid under my fingers as I try to find my balance. Sometime in the last year, Dane Aetos went from attractive and cute to gorgeous. So she calls him at least once throughout this chapter, my Dane. She does. My Dane. And I think her first impression of seeing him in this setting is like the things are different about him. And I think she's going to start to like resent the person he's become. Oh, totally. I bet you he's like low key ruthless. I bet so. I think so too. Because he's very successful, like, mm-hmm. in this world. quadrant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's the leader. She's probably going to disagree with... His methods. With his methods, exactly. Mm-hmm. And she's going to be like, that's not my Dane. And she kind of makes that comment a lot of through the... Uh, like, he'll, like, say something in a t- and she's like, that tone isn't one I know from my Dane. He tells Rhiannon to quiet down. Yeah. And she's like, that's not my Dane. She's like, but of course he can't be my Dane here, you know. But she's going to resent him. Yeah, totally. I totally agree. Um, So he asks her, what the hell are you doing here? He's shocked, right? Like she should be in the scribe quadrant. Um, And his and his eyes transform into something foreign, something deadly. This isn't the same boy I grew up with. He's a second year writer now. <laughs> I feel like I'm telling the story. <laughs> I'm like turning to you. Like, like, yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm going to relax. I'm just getting into it. You know, it's really taking over. Um, okay. So Violet tells him it's nice to see him, but that she almost faints through, throws up and collapses all at the same time. And Dane's like, damn it, Violet. And like drags her into a, private hallway so no one can see her um and he's like head between your knees and and she puts her head between your knees and he's like rubbing her back which i thought was like so cute and wholesome him like rubbing her back as she's like getting sick he's very comforting in this moment it was the relief i needed from the stress and violence of the first two chapters that she has an ally yeah and a powerful ally yeah and I and I like this part because we get a little bit more into like how close they are. So she admits to him that, you know, her knee is sore and she says, because it's Dane, it's Dane whom I've known since we were five and six. Dane, whose father is one of my mother's most trusted advisors. Dane, who's held me together when Mira left for the rider squadron and again when Brennan died. So he's like inspecting her over, like looking to make sure she's okay, which is just, I think, really sweet. Um, and he tells Rhiannon, because Rhiannon runs over to like see what's going on. She like is worried that Dane is like, whatever, doing something bad to Violet. And he, t- you know, they exchange formalities or whatever. And then he tells Rhiannon to go up to the redhead taking role. Um, and tell her that he to that he's the leader of no 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 I'm sorry he tells her to tell the person taking names to move both Rhiannon and 
uh, Violet into his squad, which surprises Violet because that means he's a leader, which is rare for his age and rank. Um, and that she should, uh, she should be, he, they should be moved into his squad. And if she asks any questions, tell her that she owes him because he saved her ass at thrushing. I really struggled through that. Quote. I'm sorry. <laughs> They're being moved into Dane's squad. <laughs> I don't know why I couldn't do that. I don't know what happened. Uh, I, I think I like felt the pressure of needing to go quicker. But anyway. Okay. Um, okay. So Rhiannon goes and, and leaves and Dane is like surprised that Violet past like cross the parapet with an equestrian boot that was too big for her because he sees that her and Rhiannon were switching boots and Violet's like well she would have died without trading me um and he's like you're going to die if we don't find you a way out of here and he like grabs her arm um and he's like asking her like why the hell are you here what happened Violet's like it's my mother obviously like she's she's going to make me do this and they he takes her up to his room which is on the second floor um which she's obviously not allowed to be in and dane warns her of that which violet responds don't worry if someone sees us i'll just say that i was overcome with lust at the at first sight and couldn't wait another second to get you out of your pants yeah she's feisty she is flirty he says, ever the smart ass. And she continues, I can throw in a few oh Dane cries once we're in your room just for believability. Yeah. Which is crazy. And he's like laughing and then kind of like waves uh, his hand and the door, uh, his door unlocks and opens like he has magic. Yeah, that, that kind of shocked me because I didn't think that there was straight up magic in this book. Yeah, also. I didn't either. But it sounds like you get it from your dragon. Like humans, the humans don't just have magic, but you once you bond with a dragon, you get you get some powers. Um, So Dane starts looking for stuff to wrap her knee and says, make yourself at home. As much as I hate that you're here, I have to say it's more than nice to see your face, Vi. We look up and our eyes meet. The tension that's been in my chest for the last week, how the last six months eases just for a second. It's just us. I've missed you, she tells him, and he says he's missed her too. Um, there's like a moment between them where they're just kind of looking at each other and they think that maybe after, she thinks that maybe after all these years, they're finally on the same pa- page when it comes to wanting each other. Or maybe they're just relieved to see an old friend. But I think that this will be. I I want more on their history. Like did she want him but he wasn't ready. And then he wanted her but she wasn't ready. Like I kind of want more of their love story. Yeah I do too. Um, Because she's very like overtly flirty with him. Like at one point she says. He says, like, you have a sharp tongue. I don't know what he says exactly. But then she says, yeah, I can do quite a few things with my tongue. Yes. And I literally wrote down, down, girl. That is, that is a lot of flirting when you just watch three people die. That is so true. <laughs> she watched three people die and she hasn't seen him for a year. And she's immediately like, look what I learned with my tongue this year. So they must have always been very flirty. So. I bet they're definitely super comfortable with that. He seems more like a rule follower. Like maybe he didn't want to 
like cross the lines between friends and hooking up and she was like the younger girl who just has this like lifelong crush yeah yeah i could see that um yeah so i was just about to go into the flirting but then as they're you know starting to leave dan's like we have to get you out of here there's a door at the bottom of this stairwell below the main level that leads to the passage leads to a passage into the healer's quad quadrant farther up the ravine we'll get you through that and into the scribe quadrant and violet's like wait what like no 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 i can't do that like the second my mom finds that out that i'm in the scribe quadrant like she's gonna drag me back here we can't do that but like dan's really pushing um and they're they it's getting into a heated argument um he's like your odds are slim here you're not gonna survive blah 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 and it's like honestly offending violet like it's not the energy she needs right now she's like i'm well aware of what my chances are here and there's only 15 percent of candidates oh usually 15 percent of candidates don't make it past the parapet and i'm still standing so i'm beating the odds like i get i'm not you don't think i'm ready but like here i am and dane's like I'm trying to keep you alive. Like, I can't protect you here. Not fully. She's like, I'm not asking you to. And it's just is an intense fight. Like, kind of classic, honestly. But um, and D- I, I kind of like this quote. Dane says, do you think I want to watch my best friend die? Do you think it'll be fun to see what they'll do to you knowing you're General Sorengill's daughter? Putting on leathers doesn't make you a rider, Vi. They're going to tear you to shreds. And if they don't, the dragons will. In the rider's quadrant, you either graduate or die. You know that. Let me save you. Please let me save you. Yeah. Intense. Um, but ultimately, she Violet insists that they can't. And Dane kind of gives up for now. Because um, they reach the courtyard again of the Citadel. So Violet finds Rhiannon. Rhiannon introduces her to another friend, Tara. Um, and she, Violet says that. I don't know if Tara will matter, but Violet says that Tara gives her Mira vibes. So, oh. like, maybe she's going to be a badass. We'll see. Um, so the parapet crossing concludes. Last few, adet- few cadets uh, enter the courtyard, followed by the three riders that were on the other side. So I'm curious on if, like, Zayden and them had to, like, recross the parapet. Like, they were on the other side. Did they have to do it twice? That's interesting. Or did That's they ride their dragons? I assume, I assume the parapet's a one-time thing. Unless they become so good at it, they could just run across it all the time. Yeah, I don't you know. Honestly, but I that, feel like they're probably... I, I could see that. I feel like if you're a year three dragon rider, you're not scared of the parapet. But also, they probably want to keep you at that point. Yeah, So exactly. you probably go through the regular entrance. But that's a great, great question. I mean, there's no logic at this place. Who knows? Um, it's a lawless land. <laughs> similar to Austin, Texas. Yes. Is that what we called it? That's what you called it. Yeah. <laughs> um okay so zayden walks in and violet describes him as a shark and all the other riders are fish like swimming away as as he walks through like clearing a path for him um and it makes her wonder what his signet is like his unique power from the bond with his dragon and if that's the reason the rest of the third year seem to be kind of afraid of him uh so the 
So the commandant Penchek announces that 301 survived and 67 did not, which is almost 20%. So a lot more than the 15% average. And only a quarter of the remaining will live. Like, what the hell? Yeah. That is so gruesome. Yeah, they say that, like, a quarter live after the first year. No, a quarter die after the first year, then another third after the second, then another third after the last. So, like, less than a quarter, Those really. not good stats to be a part of. I know. I know. Um, so, there's a little bit of conversation, which you were kind of talking about before, about how Commandant Pancheck, there's, like, rumors that he really wants Sorengale's job, and then eventually General Melgrins, which is the commanding general of all of Navarre's forces, basically the Cassian. And... um. But I said that Commandant Panchek is giving Snape, like how he like wants the uh, uh, wants the role. Yeah. Um, but Violet says he'll never get it. Melgren's dragon gives him the signet ability to see a battle's outcome before it happens, and there's there's no beating that. You can't be assassinated if you know it's coming. True. Um, so they give a lot of like grand speeches, uh, which we can kind of skip through really just again, setting the stage that this is a scary place and you're probably going to die. Um, and they start sorting everyone into, uh, a wing section and squad. So there's four wings, there's three sections with each, within each wing, and then there's three squads within each section. Um, so Violet and Rhiannon are both called to Dane's squad section wing, <laughs> which is second squad flame section, second wing. Um, but at that moment, they kind of, they like the Z- Zayden is the fourth wing wing leader. And he like calls over the girl who's sorting them and they're whispering in a heated debate and ultimately, it gets announced that now Dane's section should be in fourth wing and not second wing and is switching with another one. And, and, uh, uh, Violet's like, you've got to be freaking kidding me. Like he literally just made it so that he's in charge of Violet. Yeah. I said, that's kind of (laughs) hot. They were like, he's in charge of like each person, all the punishments. And then they're like, Oh, and Violet, you're being transferred to the swing. And I was like, yeah, she is. Yeah, she is. <laughs> I mean, I mean, he's she's entirely at Zayden's mercy. Yeah, which, that's yeah, that's hot. Yeah, um, a subordinate in his chain of command. It's giving Fifty Shades. He can punish her however he likes for the slightest infraction, even Im- imaginary ones. Uh, so she's shitting her pants, and then Zayden gets you know called up to m- start his speech. And at this moment, a shit ton of dragons fly in and they're just like perched up on the wall while Zayden's giving this like super intense speech. In summer, he's like, does ever do you feel invincible? Do you feel like you're the chosen one? Are you you're feeling like you're at the top of your game? Like you've made it right. That's how you feel. And everyone's cheering. Yeah, yeah, that's how we feel. And he's like wrong. And then all the dragons start like flying in scaring all the cadets they're blasting fire some of the kids are like screaming and running away and the ones that get run away the dragons like blast with fire and kill them yeah so like three more people die Uh, yeah and then someone like is literally peeing their pants like yeah it's it's a lot 
yeah it's very intense and uh and i think that this one might be important but at one point um the drag like there's like a bunch of dragons there's three red two green one brown one orange and an enormous navy one and at one point during all this chaos while zayden's yelling his scary speech and the dragons are going crazy people are screaming like the navy blue dragon like makes eye contact with violet and and violet while she wants to pee her pants while it's looking at her again thinks i will not die today and she straightens up her shoulders and lifts her chin and fakes it till she makes it and the dragon just like blinks and turns away yeah also one thing i wanted to call out that i that we kind of talked talked about earlier but she's in dane's squad in zayden's wing so that means also dane is subordinate to zayden oh yeah and i just anticipate a lot of beef there oh totally totally and like what is dane gonna do if if uh if uh violet's hooking up with zayden like he's higher in command who knows who knows she's got two love interests that are both her boss hot that's crazy (laughs) uh that's super hot but anyway so um uh yeah so my i have like kind of i'm wondering if the dragon so two things the dry that navy dragon i think is either going to be her dragon eventually or is it Zayden's dragon and it knows that Zayden is like going to be her love interest? Can dragons bond to more than one person and can dragons rebond? I assume they can rebond. I don't know. Something to TBD to look for. Um, okay. So basically the chapter ends with the end of Zayden's speech in which he says, I'm just going to read this last quote. Anyone else feel like changing their mind? Because there was people that were running away screaming. Nearly half of you will be dead by this time next summer. A third of you again the year after that and the same year last year. No one cares who your mommy or daddy is here. Kind of a call out. At to, Violet. Yeah, yeah, kind of a call out to Violet. Even King Tari's second son died during his threshing. Don't know who that is. So tell me again. Do you feel invincible now that you've made it into the rider's quadrant? Untouchable elite. This time no one cheers and there's just like a few sporadic sobs. And he and the chapter ends with because you're not untouchable or special to them. To them, you're just the prey. I'm so in. I'm so into getting into the like dynamics of the squad and the training and her having to report to dane who has to report to zayden and her eventually getting in trouble oh my god i do think that these first three chapters were like just the perfect tea you know yeah like really just setting up i know who the characters i need to care about are yeah i know like i love the the uh chain of command aspect i love that maybe like there's something interesting about this dragon to me. And it's like right away very intense. So right away, like Dane's going to be stressed out for her. Um, like we'll see what her relationship with Zayden's like. We'll see what Dane's relationship with Zayden's like. We'll see if Zayden's going out of his way to like make her life harder, which he probably will at first. Um, 
I'm just really excited to keep reading. Me too. I I mean, we kind of like asked my questions throughout. Like I was really just interested in what your perspective on a lot of the characters are. Um, But I think we, I think we really covered it. I think I'm just excited. I'm excited too. I don't know if we said this at the beginning, but we'll be reading in chunks of three chapters. Yes. And they'll be out every Wednesday. Every Wednesday. So we're just doing once a week for fourth wing because we are full-time working girlies (laughs) corporate girlies corporate girlies um and we're doing this more in real time instead of recording ahead and releasing so yeah it'll be fun because now when we're like recapping our weekends and our lives like it'll be pretty relevant yeah so anything else to add no this was i'm so glad we're back at it i'm so glad we're back at it i'm so glad we were reading fourth wing we still will read the third akatar book but we gotta be on top of the trends we are gals on topic gotta stay on gotta stay on the relevant topics and fourth wing is the most relevant book talk topic (laughs) of all time right now so um yeah join us next wednesday for chapters four through six yep um and yeah follow us on tiktok at gals on topic follow us on instagram at gals on topic to stay up to date like subscribe on spotify apple Podcasts, rate five stars oh my god i missed hearing these words leave a comment leave a review we love hearing from you and we'll see you next time see you then thanks guys Bye.